0: It just restores you. It makes you feel better about people and the world itself.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Carrie Klein.
2: And I'm Ezra David Romero. This is Outdoorsy, a new podcast from Valley Public Radio.
1: We take you to wild places in Central California and introduce you to the people who explore them.
2: In our last episode, we took you to this mountain oasis called Mineral King in Sequoia National Park. This time, we go 100 miles north of there to a place called Mono Hot Springs.
1: It's a cluster of hot pools and baths in a mountain valley just next to a fork in the San Joaquin River. It's tucked away in the Sierra south of Mammoth Lakes and Yosemite, and it's about halfway from the valley to the east side.
2: Like Mineral King, it's at the end of a long, winding road. To get there from Fresno, you drive up Highway 168 East, past places like Shaver Lake and China Peak Ski Resort. Before you reach Huntington Lake, you turn onto Kaiser Pass Road, which quickly turns into a one-lane mountain road.
1: At some points, it's worse than the road to Mineral King. It's narrow and bumpy, and at a few points, the side of the road drops off literally in a cliff. We don't recommend driving it at night.
2: Also, because it's really pretty. As you climb the pass, you briefly venture out of a dense pine forest onto rocky mountain terrain, then settle back underneath Ponderosa and Lodgepole Pines for the rest of the drive. Once you've made it, you arrive at a mini community of campgrounds, cabins, and a restaurant, and even a general store. It's charming and rustic and has something for everybody.
1: In this episode, we'll take you there and talk about all the other great things you can do nearby. We'll also talk about a kind of off-the-beaten-path camping that's not quite backpacking, but it's definitely not a campground.
2: We'll finish with some camp food stories. Who doesn't like food?
1: So let's start at the hot springs themselves. Ezra and I have both spent time there, but we decided this week to bring in someone else to tell you about it. Alice Daniel is a reporter for KQED, and like us, she's based here in Fresno. Hey, Alice. Hello. Hello. So, you recently reported a piece about Mono for KQED as part of a series called Hidden Places. What drew you there in the first place? I had been there before, and I think what drew me there was I knew I
0: was going to take my kids and I knew there were a lot of snakes there. Doris Lake is filled with snakes. So I figured what better place to take two boys than a place that's filled with snakes.
2: And where's Doris Lake? So,
0: Doris Lake is about a mile from the hot springs. It's an easy hike for kids. And so snakes are a positive for you rather than a negative? Yes, very much so. Well, you'll hear in my story that actually snakes aren't positive for everybody, but I think they liked it.
2: They're interesting nonetheless. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen to the story.
0: The road to Mono Hot Springs is narrow, winding, essentially one lane, even though cars go both ways. Potholes and bumps cause my car to bottom out. Fortunately, I have two adolescent backseat drivers, and one of them is hanging out the window.
2: Doing, well, I was going to look out of the car to see if there was gas leaking out oh, of that's it. Really that's you My
0: sons, Atticus and Asher, they're 14 no and 12. Places. It takes an hour to go 17 miles. Before this road was built in 1927 with dynamite and power jackhammers, packhorses and mules would take visitors over Kaiser Pass, sometimes guided by Mono Indians. The 1930s were the heyday for enthusiastic soakers.
1: People loved hot springs. That was kind of the golden years.
0: That's Jeff Winslow. He runs the historic Mono Hot Springs Resort. It's an easygoing, rustic place with stone cabins and a bathhouse where spring water is piped into private tubs. There's no sulfur smell, and the water is a perfect 101 degrees. A few years before the resort opened, the Depression-era Civilian Conservation Corps built a campground here, as well as concrete baths to hold in the spring water. Older Japanese-American farmers from the Central Valley would spend months here.
1: In fact, there were so many people here, mostly Japanese, that they just took over the whole campground.
0: Some of these concrete tubs still exist. The trail to them in a meadow along the San Joaquin River is mucky in parts. <laughs> kind of grabs you like wet clay. Some crazy people, like my kids, jump in the ice-cold, leg-numbing Sierra snowmelt.
3: Oh. Oh. I can't
0: I <laughs> before hightailing it up the riverbank to plunge in a hot pool. Well, not to me. It feels pretty good, although the water's really dark and kind of slimy. But there's more to this area than soaking. Rugged wilderness all around. Alpine lakes framed by steep granite cliffs. One of them, Doris Lake, is a great swimming spot. But we've been told this place is slithering with snakes.
2: I don't think I'll get all the way in. Why? I can't see the bottom and it's filled with snakes. I can't see. We've only seen one snake in here. Well, Where there's one, there's more. If, if I could see the bottom, I'd be okay with it. You can see the bottom. Finally,
0: the kids get in and try to catch fish with their hands.
2: I think that fish are pretty elusive. What's that mean? Hard to catch.
0: No fish in hand, we head back for one last dip in one of the natural mineral pools. For the California Report, I'm Alice Daniel in Mono Hot Springs.
3: Okay.
1: There's algae on the bottom. It tickles. So Alice, you, you start out the piece talking about the long road to get there. And so when I drove up, I remember it was nighttime, it was bumpy. Um, I wasn't driving, luckily, but I didn't see a whole lot of the surroundings. So what what was your experience there, and what would I, what did I miss by driving up here at night? You missed a lot
0: of extremely stunning scenery. But the problem is, you're on this road that's listed as one of America's most dangerous. One thing you want to watch out for are the blind curves, because there's barely room for two cars. You um, want to be careful because there's usually a car coming in the other direction, and you usually have to back up a little bit, and there's a cliff on one side. So it's just it's a little nerve-wracking. You don't want to just be staring at the scenery.
2: Can you tell some of the history of that road?
0: So the road was built in the 1920s, and it was built for this huge hydroelectric project called the Big Creek Project. And apparently the last six or seven miles of the road were so difficult to build that it was dubbed the cheap and nasty. They blew it up with dynamite. They had to remove huge boulders as big as houses. And yes, there is asphalt on the road, but, you know, it's kind of falling apart in some places.
2: We heard in the piece you your car bottomed out once or something like
1: yeah, that. Yeah, several times. <laughs> yeah.
2: My little Prius did the same thing on the way up there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then once you actually get to Mono Hot Springs, you mentioned a few baths walled in with cement, but there's a lot more there, right? Paint us a picture of what the area looks like
0: and what's there. Right. So Mono Hot Springs is in a valley, and you drive down into it, and it's just this sort of beautiful meadow area, and you've got the walled-in concrete tubs, and there's probably or five of those but there's also some very natural hot springs all around the valley so you kind of just have to walk and explore and you can find them some are more hidden than others but they're lovely little gems because you're just sitting there in the middle of this pool of hot water and oftentimes you're the only one there
1: yeah and then of course getting to the springs itself is a little bit of an adventure too there's it's that, pretty that funny the, the mucky the mucky dirt well I'm thinking about walking to the hot
0: springs It's almost like quicksand sometimes when you're walking through all that muck. And um, it's kind of funny, when I was walking along, I noticed there would be just like one sole flip-flop. (laughs) on the trail. Like somebody (laughs) just couldn't quite get it out. And one of my kids actually got one of his flip-flops stuck in the muck, but I made him go back and dig it out because it just seems disgusting to leave a flip-flop in the middle of this wilderness.
1: Yeah. And of course you were here with your kids. I mean, I think a lot of folks find bringing children along into the wilderness difficult or at least intimidating. Is it always easy for you to find spots your whole family can enjoy? What I find is that adults think of going outdoors as a
0: destination. And they think of hikes as something you have to finish. But with kids, they're just in the moment. So if you take them on a hike, just make sure they can stop and climb boulders and play in creeks, because they don't care about the end result. They're not on a hike to get to the top. They're on a hike because they want to see what's going on around them.
1: And then, of course, there's where to stay. There's this whole resort area, there are cabins, campgrounds, lots of campsites up and down Kaiser Pass Road. Where did you stay when you were there and what was your experience?
0: So we stayed at Mono Hot Springs in one of the cabins and the cabins are very rustic. The one we stayed in was just one room with a light bulb hanging from the ceiling. They have fire pits outside if they don't have kitchens inside. Some of them do have kitchens. So you can cook outside. We ate one night in the restaurant, and the restaurant is kind of famous for having interesting food like corned buffalo and buffalo ribs and elk burgers. So kind of hearty, rustic food. But we didn't eat any of that because we're vegetarian. There are also, if you don't want to just do the outdoor hot springs and you want more privacy, you can go to the bathhouse at the resort where they have individual rooms with tubs in them so you can take a bath in an individual room. And they also have an outdoor spa. So that's nice. And the water's cleaner.
2: Did you guys do that?
1: We did. We did everything. You
2: did everything. We
1: soaked a lot.
2: Sounds awesome. Yeah,
1: it was awesome. Right. And so I feel like we should mention, we've talked a lot about the drawbacks to this place, the dangerous road, the muck, the stakes. But this place is really so much more than that, right? You know, it's just such a stunningly beautiful
0: place that it's, it's not negative at all. Those are just kind of funny things that happen and sort of make you appreciate the effort it takes to get there. You get into the hot springs and it is just, I think it's just heavenly. It's such a beautiful place and it just restores you. It makes you feel better about people and the world itself.
2: Yeah. When I went up there, it seemed like up there, everyone came together.
0: Everyone's happy up there.
2: Yeah, people, mm-hmm. people share a hot spring together. They don't know each other. Right. And you're kind of forced to talk to people. Was that your experience? Exactly.
0: Yes. Yes. You do have to talk to people. If you're sitting in the hot springs with them, you'd feel kind of funny if you didn't say hello.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're very tight
1: quarters. They're, some of them are very small. <laughs> and so do you have any advice for someone who's going there for the first time, what they should aim to do or see your experience to have the best time?
0: You know, I think... A person going to Mono Hot Springs doesn't need advice, because all you have to do is sit in one of those delightful tubs or natural hot springs, and you've made it. You're there. All right. Well, thanks, Alice. Thanks, Alice. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
2: There's a lot more to do than just basking in hot water in the Mono Hot Springs area. When I went up there this summer, I went kayaking on Edison Lake near the Pacific Crest Trail.
1: In this past September, my friends and I hiked to Doris Lake, just like Alice did, and we stayed at a gorgeous campsite on a bend in the river.
2: My friends and I also camped, but we stayed off the grid. That's called dispersed camping. To find out more about this way to camp, I want you to meet Jeff Green, by day, he runs media inquiries for Riverside County in Southern California. But his true passion is the outdoors. He writes about his escapades on a blog called Green Adventures. He and his school buddies have camped in this area every summer for the past 16 years.
3: I describe that area as having 80% of the scenery of Kings Canyon and Yosemite and 1% of the people. It really is about how beautiful that area is and yet so isolated. The the little one lane road that you gotta drive on for an hour to get back there really keeps crowds down. It's mostly people who are serious about the outdoors.
2: When Green and his buds go to Mono, they wanna camp alone. They try not to stay in designated campgrounds.
3: We prefer being able to camp by ourselves, bring all of our own gear, all of our own equipment, and not have to deal with neighbors or have neighbors have to deal with us. There's a lot of areas back there for what they call dispersed camping, which is camping somewhere other than in a campground. And it's perfectly legal in the National Forest. If you want to have a campfire, you have to get a fire permit.
2: A fire permit can be picked up at the High Sierra Ranger District Station in the mountain town of Prather on the way up the hill.
1: There's also the High Sierra Visitor Information Station. You can't miss it. It's the only building for miles on Kaiser Pass Road.
2: Green says the most important part of dispersed camping is that, like backpacking, you need to bring everything.
3: You just have to be completely self-reliant. Besides your regular camping gear, you need to bring your own portable toilet. You need to bring all your own water. A lot of people for dispersed camping, it's backpack style, and they'll pack in their stuff and pack out their stuff. But we tend to like to eat really, really well, and we tend to like to drink really, really well. So we have way too much gear to uh, slap on our backs, but in a couple of trucks, we can bring in everything we need.
1: People love to hike, fish, and kayak on lakes and rivers here. Both the Pacific Crest Trail and the John Muir Trail run nearby.
2: One cool feature a few miles east of Mono Hot Springs is Edison Lake. There's a ferry that brings hikers across the reservoir to a camp store and hot showers at a place called Vermilion Valley Resort. And if you don't like to hike that much, you can also bring guns and hunt or target practice.
3: One of the reasons we like to dispersed camp is because we can actually shoot right in the middle of our campsite. We can put up little uh, targets, and while we're waiting for dinner to be done, we can just target shoot right there on the site. So. You know, and again, you would never be able to do that if you're in a campground, Uh, camp hosts get a little agitated when you try to do something like that.
1: So you've had an amazing day soaking in hot tubs, hiking, swimming, maybe soaking again, and you settle back into your campsite for the evening. Your campfire's roaring.
2: Check. Drinking a cold beer. Check. Now, what do you eat? Being out of the kitchen scares a lot of people, but camp cooking doesn't have to be difficult.
1: Or terrifying. For me, I like to take prepackaged foods like ramen or macaroni and cheese and add tons of fresh veggies to them.
2: I don't like that. I like to bring tons of snacks. (laughs) I like to have sandwiches and chips for lunch and some heartier meals like homemade chili, baked potatoes, or steaks for dinner. Things that you can cook on the open fire.
1: But you hear from us all the time. So what about you? we put out a call on Facebook for camp cooking and got back some great tips and pointers. Here's Molly in Fresno.
0: Recently I went to Tasmania and along with the three prepackaged meals that I purchased I brought along a cheese, some bread, a small plastic baggie of jam, and a sausage that was hard enough to sustain um, not being refrigerated. At the end of day three I was more thankful to have a broiled grilled cheese sandwich than I had been at any other point in the trip, just based on the fact that those flavors reminded me of home in a foreign
2: place. And here's Jill from Wisconsin.
3: If you're doing a long trip, go out on a one overnight or two night shakedown trip and try eating it on the trail. Um, My appetite changes so much on the trail and Normal things that I would eat are disgusting. Um, The things that I do want to eat are different. In fact, I just tried eating my favorite backpacking meal out of the context of backpacking, and it's not that good. (laughs) So
1: try it on the trail. And then, of course, there's only one way to end the evening. Here's Emily in L.A. When I think of camping, I think of family and sitting around the fireplace and For me, that always meant s'mores. So it doesn't matter where I'm camping or with who, I always make sure that I bring stuff to make s'mores. I think it's delicious, but on top of that, it's just this warm sense of friendship and everyone being around the fire and being together. And I I just love, I love that. And that to me is, is the best part of camping. Check out our website for a favorite recipe from me and Ezra.
2: Like what you've heard? Want to get your story on our show? Follow Valley Public Radio on Facebook and keep an eye out for posts about Outdoorsy. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Our username is OutdoorsyPod for both.
1: And that's today's show. Our editor is Joe Moore, and we had engineering help from Don Weaver.
2: Our music is by Kevin MacLeod and Ben Sound.
1: Stay tuned for future shows when we visit other wild places and interview the people who love them. For Outdoorsy, I'm Carrie Klein.
2: And I'm Ezra David Romero. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.